welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and it's all about booze this week on The Good Vanilla. Uh, Very excited to talk about this episode. And hello to everyone. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you had a great extended long weekend if you were able to partake and I wanted to apologize for not putting out an episode last week. I got sick halfway through the week. Keon got this head cold like on Sunday of last week I feel and then like Tuesday going into Wednesday is when I it started to hit me and it hit me pretty hard. I mean at the same time it was just like a sore throat and then like sniffles. I'm still kind of congested right now, which is annoying because it's been like almost a week and I'm, I'm ready for the phlegm to go away. Um, it's probably just because I don't drink enough water, but I, uh, you know, I'll just keep complaining. But it really was kind of a pain in the butt because I I really hate sore throats. I just think that it's one of the worst like afflictions you can ever have. Uh, while, when you're being sick, like I can take like a stuffed up nose. I can even take like a fee. I'd rather have a fee. I guess I wouldn't rather have a fever, but, um, the sore throat lasted like a day and a half. And then eventually I started to feel better and we were going out of town, um, on Friday of last week. So I was very nervous that I wasn't going to be able to make it, but I did rally. And it's one of those things where like, I sound, what, what am I trying to say here? I, sound worse than I look. What am I trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, I look okay, but I sound terrible. So um, that was that. And the whole week just kind of flew by and was sort of derailed because I was sick, because I had all these grand plans of putting out an episode and, of course, putting out a Patreon episode. And it was my Sandra Lee week on Patreon. So I think what I've decided, I think I'm going to do two... Bo- or not two bonus episodes. We're going to do four bonus episodes every month. But I think I'm going to do the Sandra Lee episode maybe next week or the week after because I do want to wait for our for our guest. Um, I want to make sure that they're available and willing to still record So because I think it'd be fun. Um, so in addition to a Sandra Lee episode in the month of June, I will also be doing a... I think I'm going to do a Nigella episode. I thought about doing Pioneer Woman. I do love Pioneer Woman. We will cover her one day because I love Re. Um, but I, I do love Nigella as well, too. So uh, that's kind of... That's my plan for now. So I think that's all I have to share. Are there any exciting Ina news? I don't think so. I've been stalking her Instagram a little bit um, this week. But nothing too exciting to report. So I say we get right into it. This is Back to Basics, Season 18, Episode 6, Cook Like a Pro. And this is Liquor Store Secrets. So Ina begins. It's all about the liquor store and my secrets to make really great recipes. First, red wine and stout go into the most incredible red wine braised short ribs. Sherry, brandy, white wine, and Pernod turn up the volume on my fennel soup gratin, a twist on the classic French onion soup. Next, dark rum in my favorite fresh apple spice cake. And champagne and brandy make an easy, delicious champagne VSOP cocktail. Cheers to the secrets of the liquor store. (laughs) 
I don't know why that line made me laugh harder than it did when I wrote it down. I think I was just like typing it. But cheers to the secrets of the liquor store is just, um, I don't know, it's a silly sentence. But here we are. First up are the braised short ribs. And she is in her, these are like the newer episodes. So she's in her library with those like beautiful orange couches that I want. Um, she talks about how she loves beef stew, but that's but that it's sometimes disappointing. The beef might be a little tough, the sauce might be a little thin, and she like waves her hands on each of those sentences. You know, one hand goes out for the beef might be a little tough, second hand, the sauce might be a little thin. But Ina's braised short ribs are just perfect. And uh, she tells us she uses an entire bottle of red wine and a bottle of stout. And then she finishes up this segment by saying, nothing disappointing about this beef stew. And she like kind of wags her finger around. (laughs) Uh, It was good. So now she's in the kitchen. She's out of the library and she's slathering some olive oil on five pounds of short ribs on a sheet pan. And she says something like, who's got the time to brown all these short ribs? It's just such a mess. And there's olive oil splattering everywhere. Even though we've seen Ina do it before, I do think that... um, as the series evolves, too, I still think she... I mean, I feel like it's always been her MO as well, too, to sort of give us the best quality recipes with the least amount of work. But when when there has to be work, you know, especially for this... I, I'd say most of the work in this recipe comes near the end, which we'll talk about. But um, I kind of like this sort of fast, quick and easy, just put some salt, pepper, olive oil on them and just put them in the oven. Um Four, uh, at 425 for 20 minutes, which I think is, that's not bad at all. Um, and she says that when as she's putting on the olive oil on the short rib, she says that sometimes she serves this dish with blue cheese grits. <sighs> that is inexcusable. I love grits. Let's just say that off the bat. I will eat grits in any capacity, but we all know my affliction. Affliction? I hope that's the right word. Aversion to blue cheese. And... I just can't imagine that. Oh God, I'd be so, I'd be so sad if like someone served me that and it looks so good and it's like, and it's blue cheese grits and I'm like, oh. and I would probably eat it, but it would be, it just wouldn't be my favorite thing. So, um, I think I wrote down one of the quotes, so much easier than searing in a pan. Hmm. But I think that's the end of that segment. So now it's time for some vegetables for these short ribs. So in a big Dutch oven, she has a quarter cup of olive oil going, or heating up rather, and into the pot goes some leeks, some celery, carrots, and chopped onions. And it's pretty much, it's like three cups of leeks and celery, two cups of carrots and onions. And she lets them cook down for about 20 minutes. And by this time, uh, the short ribs are ready to come out of the oven. And as the short ribs cool... She adds some garlic to the veggies, of course, because we don't want our garlic to burn. And now it's time for some uh, the secret weapon, excuse me, a whole bottle of red wine. And she is using a Cote de Rhone, which is a full-bodied French wine. I don't think I've ever bought a Cote de Rhone. Um, It's not that I... I I guess I've never really looked for a Cote de Rhone either, too, so who knows? It sounds expensive, though. Anything with, like, a French name sounds like it's not in my budget, you know? Um, So she dumps the whole bottle of wine into the pot and and simmers it for about 10 minutes. In the meantime, Ina tells us what she's learned about alcohol in the last 10 years. And then she says, I've learned a lot. 
And this segment is called Liquor Tips, which sounds gross. I don't know why. Like the way that like Liquor Tips, I, I don't like that. But it was in all caps. Um, so we learn about this is actually, I think, uh, pretty handy. And maybe something that I kind of already knew in my brain, but it's always good to be reminded is she says people think that you should plunge a bottle of wine or even champagne into a bucket of ice. But if you add a little bit of water to the bucket, it'll cool the wine down faster, which, of course, we all want. I think that the same goes for a cooler as well, too. If you put a little bit of water in, you know, even if it's like soda or beer or whatever, it might be a wine cooler. Um, Does anyone drink wine coolers? My mom really loves them. My mom used to love, like... She's moved on though. I'm proud of her. She's she's found she found Trulies and like White Claws, which she really likes. But I think she, I still think she always prefers something a little bit on the sweeter side. So I feel like she what is she into lately? I feel like for what's not what was the most recent picnic we had Mother's Day, and um, she got like they sell like in a can. It's like a vodka soda, like already pre made, which are really nice. What are they called? Like High Noons or something like that. Anyway. Alcohol's great. Um, but uh, yeah, but th- I thought that was a really good trick or a really good just thing to say out loud for other people as well, too, because I, I, we're always looking for our booze to cool down as quickly as we can. And I feel like there's other remedies, too, or not remedies, but uh, different ways to cool down. I feel like you could put like a bottle of, I don't know if it's a bottle of wine or even like a can of beer if you like wrap it in a cold paper towel with salt or something. I don't know. Maybe no salt. I, I can't really remember, but um, maybe there's something to that. Uh, so, and there's like, so after she tells us about putting water in the ice bucket, Ina says, there's like a, a, a clip of someone, maybe Ina, pouring um, a, a glass of white wine into a glass. And she's like, mmm, perfectly chilled. And it just made me laugh. So, speaking of wine, I guess all of these are about wine. No, we talk about liqueurs in a, in a second here, but... She talks about another wine myth is that you always you don't always have to stick with red wine for red meat and white wine with fish. And she says, choose whatever you like together, which in theory, I guess, is nice to hear. But I feel like if you're like a sommelier and like really into wines that they might disagree or maybe they don't. Maybe, you know, we've just been fed that for so many years that if I did talk to a sommelier, like, could I have, you know, a Pinot Noir with chicken or fish, you know? Um, so I kind of liked that permission that Ina's giving us to just drink drink whatever makes us happy. And now it's time to talk about wine glasses. So Ina says, this is kind of like a throwaway tip, I guess, but it, it, it's fine. Uh, she's like, if it's informal and pizza is on the menu, she uses tumblers. And I don't know what a tum like, I think of a tumbler, I think of something like really tall and clunky but it's almost like I, I I guess we're still talking about wine at this point or maybe cocktails but it's just like a short glass and if it's more elegant obviously it has to be a stemmed wine glass so there's that and then um, as far as liqueurs she says she rarely serves them alone she usually cooks with them or serves them as an ingredient in cocktails um, which I agree I feel like I, I don't think I, I know you can potentially drink liqueurs on their own but most of them tend to be on the sweet side if I'm if I'm thinking about them correctly uh she I think she in this segment she said because you never know when oh wait no no, that's that's the next segment never mind uh which is the next thing on my list so she talks about 
she's, she always has a bottle of limoncello or vodka or both in the freezer. And she's like, because you'll never know. You never know when, like, uh, I forget how she says it, like, the mood will strike for you to put limoncello on top of some uh, some vanilla ice cream with a little bit, like, a little biscotti on the side. Um, I don't know why people put vodka in the freezer. And I, I, I remember, like, in my younger years, like, in college, we would always have, like, vodka in the freezer. Like, I guess it doesn't thicken, but it's not like, I don't love it. I guess. I, I don't know. Like, I, I really only make martinis with vodka at home, and I just, you know, put it in some ice. But I, I don't know what the reason is. I, I guess I should have Googled it. But I, I think, like, some of them can get a little bit syrupy, and I don't love that feeling. But, like, why vodka? Why why not anything else? I don't know. But uh, there's that. So we are back in the present, and Ina is stirring her stew uh, and next she adds four cups of beef stock and then one can of crushed tomatoes. And I can't remember what she said about the beef stock here. I feel like she said, homemade if you have it, but store-bought is fine. Because I've never seen her make beef stock on the show. Maybe she has. Um, so now it's time to add one bottle of Irish stout beer, followed by some thyme, some salt and pepper, and now it's time for the roasted short ribs to go back in. And it honestly looks like these are not going to fit. I mean, these are like, they're like Flintstone short ribs. They are so big. And I, I mean, she has it all in the sheet pan. She's doing well. She doesn't splash or anything, but I was I was nervous. And I'm sure like things fall apart and they just, ooh, it looks so good. Um, so she brings that all to a boil and then she puts it into the oven uh, at 325 degrees for one hour, the entire Dutch oven. And this is where it gets complicated. And I wrote all these steps down, even though they're not really, like, <laughs> too important. But, you know, it's what she talked about. So, yeah, she puts, she brings everything to a boil. She puts it all into the oven for an hour. And then she removes the lid and cooks it for another hour in the oven. And after that, she'll take it out of the oven, take the short ribs out, as well as the, what is it, the thyme bundle, and simmer the sauce on top of the stove for 20 minutes. And then she puts the short ribs back into the sauce and then cooks them for about five minutes just to get them heated through again. A lot of steps there. Um, I think in the end, probably worth it because it sounds delicious and looks delicious. Um, as she's serving it up here, she puts a, she gets a big white bowl, of course, and puts a couple of short ribs in it as well as that just like decadent sauce with the vegetables. It looks so good. And then she breaks off like a little crust of bread and then she goes to town. I I do think, like, I feel like everyone's just used to, like, throwing shit in, like, a crock pot <laughs> or an Instapot. Um, but I feel like if you had the time and the patience to do this, that it probably is well worth the effort, especially those last, like, five or six steps. Because they're not, it's not hard. It's just, like, you have to kind of be aware of what's going on and how long you're cooking stuff and, you know, all that good stuff. But... Anyway, oh, we I have to say this. We get a we get a like a coming up segment where she talks about what's ahead, and one of the things she says, is, she says like I, I, she talks about like the apple thing she's about to make, um, the spice cake. But then she says, and then and then there's a fennel gratin with yikes four types of alcohol. And anytime she says yikes, it's an instant laugh for me. I I don't know why. It's so, it, it tickles me. I just think like, and the sentence is funny too, because it's like, she's trying to be cheeky and it kind of works, but, and then there's a fennel gratin with 
yikes, four types of alcohol. Uh, it's And you don't see her say it. It's just like a voiceover thing, but it made me laugh, so I had to mention that. Um, so now she's back in the library, and she's introducing the dessert. And she says, I know that most of the world loves chocolate, but for me, it's fresh fruit flavors that I like for dessert. It's fresh fruit flavors that I like for dessert. I, got, I had to get the right emphasis there. Um, and so this is the fresh apple spice cake with rum-soaked raisins. This sounds delicious. I am very into this. I've said it many times on the podcast that golden raisins are the superior raisin. And I do like a good apple, anything, apple crisp sort of situation. Um, So she starts by soaking these golden raisins and some dark rum, and then she microwaves them for 60 seconds uh, to just sort of like plump up and allow that, you know, the rum to just kind of like soak in there. So now it's time for the cake. Um, I'd say for the most part, pretty typical ingredients here. We have some sugar, some brown sugar, three eggs. I use extra large eggs. Vegetable oil, some good vanilla, and two teaspoons of orange zest. So that is the wet batter. And then the... Oh, yeah, she beats that for three minutes until it's light and fluffy. And then she adds... Or she's sort of prepping on the side through through a sieve... Um, some flour, baking powder, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves, and salt. I don't, I'm not a big fan of cloves, but I, I know that it has its purpose in most, like, even, like, uh, in addition to, like, apple pie or apple cake, like, pumpkin pie. Like, all those dry ingredients, I guess, minus, like, the flour and the baking powder, feel very reminiscent of, like, a pumpkin pie. So... I'm excited for this. It looks really good. So she is, uh, she adds, of course, the dry ingredients into the wet ingredients um, very carefully in the standing mixer. Um, the batter looks so good. Uh, it's just like so chunky. Um, and now it's time for those rum soaked raisins, of course. And then she adds, oh, it's not chunky yet. Sorry. The batter looks good just because I love batter. I forgot where I was in my notes here. Now all the chunky stuff comes in. So it's the raisins, toasted pecans or pecans, and then one and a half pounds of Granny Smith apples that have been peeled and cored and diced into small, you know, bits. Um, She gives it a big stir and it looks like it, it really does feel like the raisins, pecans and apples are like overpowering the batter a little bit. It's like... There's not as much batter as there is, like, chunks of stuff. And as I was thinking that, Ina, Ina was pouring... She pours the batter into, like, a cake pan. And as she's doing it, she's like, look how good this... Oh, no, she says, look how good this looks. Isn't that crazy? I love... Like, again, yikes and crazy are my two, like... Not trigger words. It sounds like it's a negative thing. But the, the two things that will instantly make me laugh. Um... Especially when she says, like, you know, I made this recipe for my friends last week, and they went crazy. But when she says, look how good this looks. Isn't that crazy? It just feels very, like, human, and I just love that she chose the word crazy. But I, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the crazy one. Um, so she spreads it out into this cake pan, and she... <laughs> She says, like, I have to say, I could smell the rum. And it was just funny because she kind of, like, laughs about it. Um, So she puts it into the oven, 350 for 35 minutes. And we fast forward a little bit, of course, and the cake is done. She cuts it into big squares and puts it on a plate. And um, she does say, like, before she, like, does it the way that I'm about to describe, she says, you know, this is perfectly fine with, like, a cup of tea 
on an, like any afternoon. It's a great snack, but if you really want to turn up the volume, then she, you know this is this is how you do it. And then she puts a, a piece on a plate. She puts a dollop of vanilla ice cream uh, to the side of it, which I never would think of this because most people just put vanilla like ice cream or whatever on the counter to sort of um, you know soften up a little bit. Which I I agree with Ina's you know sort of theory of soft ice cream is the best kind of ice cream. Um, but she says she put it into the fridge for 30 minutes, which I think is such a great, obvious sort of uh, alternative to putting it on the counter. So I just, I don't know why that really was like, yeah, I guess you could just put it in the fridge. It, it's, it'll slow it down or, you know, slow, it won't melt, but it'll be soft. So I thought that was a pretty hot tip. And then, so when she puts the uh, vanilla ice cream on the side, she drizzles some caramel sauce. And she does say store-bought caramel sauce. She's like, you don't have to make your own caramel sauce, even though we've seen her do it like 600 times. Um, It looks so good. I love, like, any apple dessert. Honestly, like, I am a chocoholic, like, through and through. But every once in a while, if I'm, like at a restaurant or something, I will, I'll order like an apple pie or I'll, I will order. This actually reminds me of, um, when Keon and I were in Amsterdam, uh, I guess that was like three years ago, something like that, maybe four. Um, we went and got Dutch apple pie and it was so good. And it was made even better by the fact, because we all know in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam, that marijuana is legal. So I may have smoked a little bit and then treated myself to some apple pie, but it was so good. Um, We sat on, it was like this little like porch area and they brought it out. And I, I think they served more than just Dutch apple pie, but maybe I think we looked up like where the best Dutch apple pie is. And it was, it was like a mountain of pie, and I think I got it with ice cream, too, because I was like, I didn't come all this way just to play it safe, you know? Um, but that was delicious, and that's kind of what this cake reminds me of in some ways, too. It just looks so good. I, I, I was Going back to my restaurant comment, too, like, I'll order some sort of, like, apple crisp or apple crumble. Um, I also love, like, an olive oil cake or, like, any sort of, like, lemon cake, lemon poppy seed. Ugh, I love that. So um, this looks great. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I, I would make it, but it looks delicious. So finally, we get to this boozy fennel gratin that she's been teasing the whole episode. And Ina's back in the library and she's like, this has so many types of alcohol in it. I probably should have called it a cocktail. And, uh, you know, she chuckles to herself, but, uh, it's a, it's a good bit. Uh, so it starts with a quarter pound of butter eight cups of sliced onions and eight cups of fennel and then a, um, one and a half teaspoons of thyme. And that goes into a Dutch oven. Of course, she's sort of uh, just stirring that around and letting that reduce. And quick about 25 minutes is what she says or how long that takes. Um, so then after 25 minutes, she's like, this is where the alcohol goes in, in the pot, not me. Hmm. And uh, she puts a quarter cup of brandy in to deglaze and scrape the little like in those like good little bits off the bottom of the pot and now it's time for some dry sherry followed by some sauvignon blanc and then eight cups of homemade chicken stock but of course store-bought is fine she says uh so she finishes it off with some salts and pepper and then she adds in some pernod which is an anise flavored liqueur and i i trust you ina i'd probably it's like if I was making this myself, like, no one has Pernod just, like, on hand. 
Um, but I would probably leave it out. But I know it, it gives the, the fennel a little bit of a lift because that has anise flavor as well, too. I just, like, I don't really love anise. I, I will say this. I know a lot of people put anise in their pizzelles. Um, I, w- I will eat it. I think a hint of it is all I need. I just need, like, one drop in the entire batter. Like, I don't mind that it's there, but sometimes, you know, you don't need to go overboard. Um... So the soup is finally done. Um, are we already there? Yeah, wow, that was quick. So, yeah, so basically she lets that cook down. The soup is done. Ina gives it a taste just for, you know, to make sure the seasonings look are all in order. And then she ladles some out into these, like, what she calls classic French onion soup bowls. And then she takes some slices of baguettes and gently places them on top. And then a big handful of Gruyere on top. And it's, oh God, I mean, this is just heaven. Straight to the broiler for a few minutes to melt that beautiful, beautiful cheese. And then she finally takes them out. Uh, they look delicious. I I love, I love French onion soup. And, and just a, a, a teaser for this week on the good Patreon, I'm going to be counting down my top five favorite soups, which I'm oddly excited for. I love a good soup. French onion is definitely going to be on the list. It's probably going to be ranked pretty high, too, because you can't really beat it. Um, it just looks so good. I love the cheese. I just feel like it's um, it's everything I'd want in a soup. It feels like a whole meal. And I guess soup is a meal. <laughs> it's like a, that's like a famous Seinfeld, ep- fi- whoa. Seinfeld episode, if anyone is a Seinfeld fan, where he takes... Is it Banya? Is that his name? Takes him out for... He owes him a lunch. Jerry owes him a lunch. And he orders soup. And at the end of the the lunch or whatever, he's like, well, um, I'll, you know, you can take me out again and we'll get dinner or something. He's like, this is the this is the dinner. This is the lunch. And he's like, but I ordered soup. And there's a whole bit about like how soup isn't a meal, but it kind of is. And with French onion soup, I do feel like it is definitely a meal um, because of the bread and the cheese. It's just heaven. So anyway, we finally finish off uh, with cocktails at the barn. And while Ina wrestles with a bottle of champagne um, for her VSOP, or which, which I've been calling it, um, but uh, champagne cocktail she's about to make, she tells us about three of her favorite champagne cocktails. So the first one is Kier, and that's spelled K-I-R, which I've never heard of, I think. I, maybe. I don't know. It's a teaspoon of cassis. Um, which is black currant liqueur. And I feel like creme de cassis, why does that sound familiar? Did I make something with creme de cassis? Is that another liqueur, liqueur that I'm thinking of? I don't know. Um, it's so funny. I, you can hear me always fighting my Pittsburgh accent when I say liqueur because my dad, my dad is terrible. My dad, both, both of my parents and like most of the, the older people in my family have pretty thick Pittsburgh accents. And my dad says liqueur, instead of liqueur and so I'm, I'm fighting it every time I'm saying because I want to say liqueur because it's just easier but it's liqueur liqueur I don't know why I had to share that with you folks but there there we have it um so Kira is the first cocktail the champagne cocktail the second one being a mimosa a classic champagne cocktail I like a mimosa I think um I don't know sometimes it's it's like a little this is like I never say this so I, but I feel like it's a little bit too much sugar or something like first thing in the morning. I don't know. And I like champagne, but it's not my favorite also at the same time. But I, I'll totally drink a mimosa if you put it in front of me. Um, sometimes I wish it was like 
maybe a different flavor orange juice, like a mango or banana orange juice or something, or all of those. All of the above. Sounds delish. Uh, the third cocktail is a raspberry royale, which is raspberry liqueur, um, a few raspberries, and some champagne, which it, it this is like, it's a showstopper. I do think champagne always, always, always looks classy in a champagne flute, so... Even if you put just a couple raspberries in without the raspberry liqueur, I think it's still going to be a slam dunk. Okay, so now we flash back to the present for a champagne VSOP, which is champagne and brandy, which I love this idea. So it starts out with a champagne glass, of course, topped off with an topped off. I don't know why I wrote that. I don't know. Uh, so then she puts in the the VSOP, which is uh, which is the brandy, and that stands for a very special or sometimes superior old pale, um, which I've never heard of in my life. So there we are. But I I don't I'm not a brandy guy, at all. I bet I'm not opposed to brandy. I just never really drink it. And and then of course she adds some champagne in that as well. And then uh, she kind of tops it off with, uh, she peels just like one peel of orange zest and she rubs it around the rim and then plops it into the cocktail. It looks very classy. It sort of fizzes up when she does that. And we're near the end of the, uh, the, end of the episode here, folks. Ina says, so that's a lot of new ideas of things you can find at the liquor store that will make a huge difference in your cooking. Cheers. And I thought that was going to be the end of the episode, but she takes a sip of her champagne VSOP, V-S-O-P, and she says, mm, wow, delicious. <laughs> and I think in these later seasons, too, that's probably the closest we're going to get to, like, a classic Ina ending of an episode. I, I feel that, you know, most of the time she just says, have fun or cheers and then calls it a day. But I like that we got a little bit of, mm, wow, delicious. And then she smiles, and that's the end of the episode. And I feel like we learned a lot. I feel like we learned about adding water to our ice for wine. Um, I felt like I learned something else. What was it? What did we What did we talk about? I can't remember the second thing. Uh, it really doesn't matter. And I guess that's all I have for this week's episode. So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow it on Instagram at goodvanillapod. And you can also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com. And, of course, don't forget to sign up for the good Patreon. This week, I'm going to be counting down my top favorite favorite soups. And next week, um, I'm I'm aiming to do... um, I think it'll happen. I'm thinking to do the uh, the Sandra Lee episode next week. And basically, with Patreon, you get four bonus episodes a month. And you get early access to this main feed episode every Thursday. You don't have to wait till Friday. It comes a day earlier. Who wouldn't want that? And you can sign up for the Good Patreon at www.patreon.com/slash/thegoodpatreon. Also, I made a group for the Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search the Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, or just tell another barefoot contessa fanatic that also works too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. And you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.